Good morning. It's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Joel. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is always an honor uh, to stand before you and to proclaim the truth of God's Word, and that's what we plan to do this morning. That is my hope and prayer for this place. If you're visiting with us today, um, we're going to be in John chapter 15. We've been there for a few weeks. We have a few more weeks to go as we walk really slowly through this uh, chapter about abiding in the Lord, about being in His presence, about living our lives uh, surrounded and encompassed in who He is and the effects of that. And today we'll be in John 15, uh, verses 16 and 17. There's a Bible right in front of you. If you don't have one, you're welcome to take that. It's yours. If you don't own one, uh, take it home with you and use it. Please, uh, John 15 is in the New Testament's Uh, New Testament 15 is the chapter, and 16 and 17 will be the verses. We'll be right there, so I'll give you a few minutes to find your way there. I wanted to ask a question this morning, and um, just something for you to think about. Uh, Have you ever found yourself in a place or a situation, and you had absolutely no idea how you got there? Maybe. I, I have talked often about my work with the band Mercy Me. If you don't know, I traveled with the band Mercy Me for about 20 years, and I spent a lot of time with them. And there were many times uh, during that period where I found myself in a place, and my question was, how did I get here? How did I get to this place? And I wanted to share a couple of those with you this morning and some other things, but in June of 2005, I found myself in Flushing Meadows, New York, backstage at the very last Billy Graham crusade that he ever preached. I stood feet from him before he took the stage and he proclaimed the gospel truth to over 200,000 people in the middle of New York. Over 10,000 people prayed to receive Christ in that time frame. And I stood there looking around at myself and I said, how did I get here? How did this happen? Why am I here? In Thanksgiving Day 2015, somebody mentioned this to me this morning, Steve and Siri, randomly enough. Thanksgiving Day 2015, Mercy Me's bass player, Nathan, his wife was having a baby. Mercy Me was performing in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, again in New York. Long story short, but somehow I ended up on this float with Mercy Me, pretending to play bass because I do not play bass. (laughs) I know smoke on the water, if anybody knows that. That's all I can play. I'm on this float in the middle of Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade pretending to play bass. Hundreds of thousands of people on every street corner, down every road, as far as you can see. Millions of people watching on TV. What an incredible experience. And I'm thankful for those experiences. And I stood there on that float with, the, with Mount Rushmore behind me, randomly enough, on this float. And Pokemon floating behind me, a huge balloon, and I said to myself, how did you get here? Why are you here? How did you end up in this place? Listen, in March of 2020, we were in Pensacola, Florida, and we had a whole show set up in an arena there, and we got word that the state of Florida and states all around had completely shut down public gatherings due to a worldwide pandemic. 
Immediately, all our concerts were canceled. All our gear went back to the place where it belonged. All of us went home. We didn't know how long. We weren't sure what God had planned moving forward. Month after month passed, 16 months of uncertainty. Not knowing if my job was ever going to happen again. Not sure about work or my family or the health of people around me. I struggled to see God moving. I struggled to see what he was doing. And I said to myself, how did I get here? Why am I here? October 23rd, 2022. I stand before you on this stage. And this church is walking through a time and a situation more difficult than I ever imagined I would experience in church. I know people are hurt. I know people are confused. I know people are angry. I know there are even people in this room right now that are struggling to trust me standing in this place. I'll be honest, I feel like I've been kicked right in the stomach. All the air's out of me. How did we get here? And why? I know you may be asking yourself similar questions about this current situation or maybe other situations in your family, in your life. God, how did I get here? How did I get to this place and why? What are you doing? And we ask those questions. Maybe in the best of times and maybe in the worst of times. Why am I here? What are you doing? Today I want us to hear from John chapter 15 that I believe that God is at work in and around us even when we don't understand. Even when we can't see clearly even when we don't see the path forward from where we are, he is at work. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for these folks. And I thank you for your word that is alive and living and active in our lives. And every time we go to it, you speak to us. Every time we spend time in this, your word to us God, you move and you act and you call out to us. God, I pray today that that would be true in all of our lives. God, I pray for clarity from your word today for everyone in this room. Those that are seeking, those that are struggling, those that aren't sure. Father, would you speak to us today? Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 15, verses 16 and 17 say this right here. They say, you did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command to you so that you will love one another. Now, many people go to this passage of scripture when they start to talk about the, the act of salvation, the gospel message. They say here 
from this passage that we don't choose God, that he has chosen us. And I want to say this to you. Listen, that is true. God has chosen to move and act on your behalf. And today, if you're in this room and you have never experienced a true relationship with Jesus Christ, I want you to know today that he loves you, that he cares for you, that he sent his only son, Jesus, to this earth to die, and he has chosen to move towards you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants today for you to experience his choosing and his moving in your life. If you don't know Jesus today, this verse is for you. He has chosen you. He wants to move. If you have questions, a desire to know more about that, please do not leave this building today without having a conversation with one of our staff, one of our elders, one of our greeters in the commons there will be somebody who would love to share with you the fact that God has chosen to move toward you. He wants to have a relationship with you. But I believe in this passage right now, in this situation, in in John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He may still even be in the upper room before he goes to be crucified, but he's talking to them and he's spending time with them and he is about to step away from them and they don't understand. They don't know what's about to happen. They don't see clearly the future of what is going to go on in their lives and what they're going to do without him. They've been with him. He's been with them. He's led the way. He's done all these things, and they don't know. And so he speaks to them, and he gives them assurance, and he says this, you did not choose me, I chose you. I chose you. I have put you in this place. I have positioned you for a mission, a purpose. I have appointed unto you something to accomplish even after I'm gone. A mission that God is in control of. A mission that he oversees. A mission that ultimately would put them in position to experience the greatest things they had ever experienced and also to experience the lowest, hardest things they had ever experienced. God was moving in their lives. He had chosen them. Listen, in Ephesians chapter 2, the men have been studying through Ephesians on Wednesday night. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 10 reminds us this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Listen, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has prepared the way and the work before today. He has prepared the way. And in all the instances that I mentioned before, all the way from the Billy Graham crusade to this stage right here, right now, when I ask the question, how did I get here? God raises his hand and he says, I know. I know how you got here. I'm working, and I'm moving, and I've set your steps before you before the beginning of time, before you ever knew what I was going to do. I know why you're here. I know what I'm doing in this place and in this time. God has prepared the way for us. I believe that this passage in John 15 shows us three things about how God is working and moving through us even when we don't understand what he's doing. So I'll share those really quickly. In verse 16, 
I believe that he shares here that he has a plan. Again, he, we did not choose him, he chose us. Acts chapter 17, verses 26 through 28 says, And he made one man, out of one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of them. For in him we live and move and we have our being. Folks, it is not by accident that you are in this place today. Justin reminds us weekly that you could choose to be somewhere else, but today you're here because God has moved in your life and he has laid before you a path to be a part of this church in this time, in this period. It's not by accident that you live in Greenville, Texas. It's not by accident that you're in this building today. It's not by accident that you're hearing a, a message from John 15. It is not by accident he has moved and prepared and working a plan in our lives. And we can trust him. We can trust him. The question is this, Acts 15 says, I mean, Acts 17 there that I just read said he's determined these periods of time where you would live in the boundaries of your dwelling place. If it, and then it says this, that they should seek him. The question is today, God has a plan and a purpose for you being here in this time, right now, in this place, but will you seek him? Will we seek him? Here's the most beautiful thing, and I think in all of this passage in Acts chapter 17, he asks, will you seek me? And then he says this, I'm not far off. I'm not far off. He's with us, folks. He lives and moves, and every breath we take is in and from him. Everything that we do, he is a part of. He's around us. He's at work in us. How did we get here to this place? God says, I have a plan. Will you seek me? Will you seek me? You will find me because I'm not far off. Will you seek me? Secondly, he says this, not only does he have a plan, but in verse 16, the second part there, he says this, I have, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, it should remain. Not only does God have a plan for us in this time, in this place, but he also has a purpose. He has a purpose for us. He has appointed unto us that we would bear fruit. Guys, it's the entire chapter that we've been reading, right? He talks about if you abide in me, you will bear fruit. If you don't abide in me, you will not bear fruit. You will be pruned. If you abide in me, fruit will be the result those who follow after me bear fruit. Those who love one another bear fruit. By this, the Father is glorified that you bear fruit, bear fruit, bear fruit. It's the purpose of everything that we experience and go through. It's what he has called us to do, bear fruit. Sometimes I don't want to bear fruit. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to celebrate where I'm at. I want to celebrate what I've accomplished, right? Standing on a float in the middle of New York City. I just want to enjoy that. 
I just want to enjoy all the text messages and comments I've got. Listen, I'm in charge of a company. I'm a leader in my church. All these things. Some of us, we don't want to bear fruit. We just want to sit in our accomplishments. He says, you have a purpose for where you are. You're a teacher. You have a purpose. You're a dad. You have a purpose. You're a mom, a husband, a wife. You're a nurse. You're a caregiver. You have purpose for where you are right now. We have a purpose in this place. Some of us, we want to celebrate our accomplishments. Others, we maybe want to sit in our struggle and our pain and we ask God, how could you do this? How could you possibly ask me to bear fruit in this situation? And yet he says it is the purpose that you have been placed here in this place to bear fruit. He says no matter what your circumstance, the purpose is the same. You have position, you have power, you have influence, bear fruit. You're hurt, you're scared, you're sick, bear fruit. Bear fruit. This fruit, folks, comes from our abiding in Him. And he is, it is not from us, it is from Him. It is the fruit of the Spirit living in us. Do you guys understand and get this picture? The fruit that remains from what we do is God actually pouring His life out through us. He is pouring His life, His strength, His vision, His purpose through us that follow Him, who abide in Him. He's pouring out that love to the people around us. He's pouring out that gospel message to the people around us. If we're willing to let Him work in and through us, He will accomplish that in the best of times and in the worst of times. God will use every situation to glorify himself he will be about his purpose so how did I get here God's got a plan why am I here bear fruit to bear fruit that lasts that's what he's called us to the third thing that we see in this passage as we read on it says that we bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask in the fathers of the Father in my name, he will give you. The third thing that we see from this passage is not only does he have a plan and a purpose, but he also has the power. He's able. He is able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. I mentioned to you earlier that I feel like the air's out of me. And maybe you feel that way too. I don't know if you've ever actually physically had the air knocked out of you. I, I played sports a lot, and I was also dumb as a young man. So many times I had the wind knocked out of me. And uh, if you've never experienced that, it's pretty traumatic. It feels like all the air's out of your lungs, and, and the harder you try to put it back in, the harder it seems to be to go back in. It's not really your lungs that are fighting against you. My understanding, I'm not a doctor, so, you know, but I stayed in Holiday Inn last night. I'm not, a, I'm not a doctor, but my understanding is it's not your lungs that are fighting against you. It's actually your diaphragm 
that's underneath your lungs. And when you take a hit or you fall or you stumble or whatever, your diaphragm actually spasms and it locks up and it won't let your lungs do what they are supposed to do. Your diaphragm works with your lungs to pull air in and out. And so your diaphragm spasms. And it's not until you're able to relax. It's not until you're able to rest and that diaphragm begins to release that you can take a deep breath and you can experience the relief of having your lungs filled again. Guys, we've got to rest in Christ today. If you feel like the spiritual wind is out of you, we've got to rest. We've got to trust that He has a plan and a purpose and He has the power to move and to act. And when we give over our struggles and our victories to Him, He is able to do and accomplish whatever He wants to do. I was reminded of this song, and I'm not going to sing, although Justin and Ryan have set a pretty high standard over the last few weeks. But I was reminded of this song by a group called All Sons and Daughters. The song is called Great Are You, Lord. And it says this, You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. And great are You, Lord. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. It is your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. Listen, God has chosen you to be in this place in this time. And he is willing and able to accomplish what he has laid before you when we feel weak, when we feel like the air is out of us and we're not able to do anything that we're asked to do, He says, I can. I can do it. I will do it. I will bear fruit in this unbelievable situation. You seek me where you are. You abide in me. You determine to bear fruit in every situation and I can and I will do that. God says, I will turn the spotlight toward Jesus Christ. And I will move when it seems impossible for him to move. Verse 8 of this chapter says that, and by this, by his moving in us, by his accomplishing his will and purpose in our lives, through his power in our lives, it says that the Father will be glorified. Folks, Christ is on your side today. Maybe you've questioned that. Maybe you've struggled with that. Maybe there's been sin and issues in your life and you would never believe that God would be on your side, that Christ would be on your side, and yet He says, I am able, and if you abide in Me, whatever you ask of My Father in My name, I will do it. I will do it. What do you need to ask of Him today? Do you need strength? Do you need understanding? Do you need humility? Do you need healing? Do you need faith? Ask the Father in Jesus' name today. 
He has the power to accomplish all things. Verse 17, as we wrap up here, says this, These things I command to you so that you will love one another. Folks, Jesus knows that things are about to get difficult. He knows that these disciples are about to experience loss and struggle and confusion like they've never experienced before. He knows that he's leaving them and his command to them is stay together. His command to them is unite in a common purpose. His command to them is love one another. Love one another. Many times before in Scripture, we have heard this, love one another, love one another. The greatest commandment, love God with all our heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And yet in John 13, just two chapters before this, we see this. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Now, what's new? He's been saying all along to love one another, love one another. And here he says a new commandment. Folks, it's, it's an emphasis on loving one another the way Christ has loved us. Just before these passages, where do we see Jesus? We see Jesus on his knees before these disciples, these men who have followed after him, his disciples. He's the teacher. He's the rabbi. He's, they're the followers. And we see Christ on his knees in front of these men washing their feet. That's how Jesus loves. Just moments from this passage, we'll see Jesus hanging on a cross, sacrificing his whole life for these men. That's how Jesus loves. And we're called in this passage to love one another the way he has loved us. Humbly, sacrificially, selflessly, we love one another. He has set the standard by which we will be identified in this world for days, years, eternity. How will we be identified? He is setting the standard right here. In, in 1335, he said, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A very familiar passage to all of us, 1 Corinthians 13. Folks, if we want to be a church that is following God's plan, we're seeking to do God's purpose, to bear fruit, and we're trusting in His power, if we want to do that, we have to be a church that loves one another. And if we don't love one another... 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what we're going to look like. It says, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith as to remove mountains, but I do not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Listen, love is patient and kind. It does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Folks, Ridgecrest Baptist Church needs to be a church where people look and say, those people love one another. They're following God's plan. They're seeking to do His purpose and His power. Tertullian, an early Christian theologian, reported this in the 2nd century. 
a comment about the pagans of his day, and he said this, the pagans said, behold how these Christians love one another, how ready they are to die for each other. Their mutual love was a magnet which drew the pagan multitudes to Christ. It has the potential to do that still. I believe with my whole heart that if we love one another and we follow after Christ, Ridgecrest will continue to be a light in this community. We will continue to bear fruit of love and the gospel to this area, to our neighbors, to the people around us. But we have to love one another the way Christ loved us. He has placed us here, each one of us, as part of his plan. He has a purpose for us, and he will give us the power to bear fruit. Let's pray together. Father, I'm thankful again for these folks, and I'm thankful for your word that you say to us in your word that you are moving and working, that we are not alone, that you never leave us, you never forsake us, that you have a plan and a purpose for each thing that is in our lives, whether it is worth celebrating or if it is worth mourning, you are moving and active. God, I pray today that you would speak to people in this room and you would help them to know and understand that you have chosen them, you have chosen us, you have placed us in a peculiar situation to bear fruit in this community, to bear fruit in our conversations, to bear fruit in our relationships. And God, my prayer today is that we would be moved to follow after you and to trust in your power and your guidance and your strength. God, we love you. In Jesus' precious name, amen.